Hello. Testing. Here we go. Testing. Testing. Give it, give it, give it, give it Garmin. Give it, give it, give it Garmin. Welcome to episode 112 of the Michael Anthony Show. That is 112 times that we've now... Sorry, what's that wound on your elbow? Yeah, just put it away with it. The sinking sound of despair The smell of dread in the air I'm head to toe in my own fear I'm going to die and I need to cry ah. 112 times that we've had a show But they're not really shows anymore Because the whole concept of any form of broadcast is that somebody experiences the world around them and it comes to a microphone and analyzes those experience via the spoken word but to be honest with you i'm in a stage of reclusism now that whilst i sit here attempting to piece together something that does resemble a show i'm staring at a bottle full of urine in the kitchen the reason the bottle's filled with urine is because i now piss in bottles and empty them out at the end of the day, as opposed to repetitively going to toilets, which are on different floors. Because it's going to be arsed. Why would I be arsed? The world doesn't exist anymore. How could you be? I would be lying if I said it was just that. of quite a dubious past when it comes to both excretion and urination. Um, I shat my pants consistently until about the age of 11. It affected all areas of my life. Um... Sports, most games, I'd be running around with a leaky arse, and I would therefore run, similarly to Juan Mata now, who by the way is still getting paid by Manchester United, I don't think there's many people who are aware of that, and if they are, they're just choosing to ignore it, Juan Mata is still playing for Manchester United, just think about that for a second, but that's what would happen. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd have a shower, and then the first need to shit would come probably around 11, off a diet of petty flus and childhood fruit tins, and I'd refuse to go to sit on the toilet and do it in there. So I'd just kind of do it in my pants and it would build up. Then I got to the stage where I kind of was getting socially judged for the faecal matter building up in my little boy knickers. That's what I remember. Whenever I see little boy knickers now, which thankfully, for um, a variety of legal reasons, is extremely rare whenever i see those little boy lego sponsored fucking panties fucking dewey from alchemy in the middle fucking things my mind goes back to soggy lack of self-belief and despair that would occur every single time my little boy knickers have to get emptied out every single night by a parent andy and sometimes friend so it began to affect me i was at samba soccer when you're when you're pooing those little boy knickers, you you gotta you gotta know just how heavy um the build up becomes and and how unequipped um the fabric is to deal with such hard bird's eye shit really. And it came through my nineteen ninety nine Manchester United shorts when I was in Samba Soccer. A load of poo, big stain, grew on the back. And I wasn't with any school friends. I took a chance and I went to Samba Soccer on my own with dreams of um, playing for Manchester United. Dreams I didn't let go until I was around 20. 
I don't know how it didn't occur to me that if I was to still play for Manchester United even at 16, I probably would have set some kind of record for the, the latest ever entrance into an academy system. But you don't think that shit, and your mom's still waking you up when you're just about to tap in the winner at the Stratford end. I'd said enough about my character. I'd think that the goal was never scored. I was always woken up just as nanny or... For some reason, Lee Sharp was squaring me the ball. So I remember when the kids started pointing, oh, what are you shitting yourself? What? Yeah, aren't you? Uh, but then I realised no one else was shitting themselves. What do people use the toilet? The advice of um, advertisements, parents, doctors, teachers. They shat in that little um, water hole that, that was either in the school or their house on a consistent basis. Because that's where they probably uh, felt was most appropriate to go. So I remember hitting a state of panic and I just made up a lie that it was mud and I don't know whether it was due to the fact that they were six and I had a, a unique ability to piece together um, fictional stories in comparison to them at the age or whether it was a, a disparity in education. But they chose to believe it. I don't know, maybe the coaches called them in to to one of those back rooms, one of those Brazilian dudes who was doing fucking cartwheels with a ball in his hand and said, do not go there, he has a problem. Maybe people were talking over my head, I don't know. Maybe they were handed a note. I was one of those weird kids whose parents handed a note before the camps and the, the shit like that started. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. The most ridiculous one of those notes I ever saw was when I was in Irish college. And it was the summer of 06. I remember that well because Italy won the World Cup beautifully, by the way, to save the country from the judgment and downfall that was about to come via match fixing. So how do Italians respond? They respond the right way. They win a World Cup in your face. This guy called Dax in the Irish college. One of those mysteriously... Older dudes, he was like 17, I don't know why he was there, everyone else was 12. And his name was Dax, D-A-X. Of course, he had absolutely no ambition to take on one of the Irish names that you were given. Oyak, it just doesn't work. So Dax, D-A-X, had a note that permitted him to smoke that um, was handed to each Kinnera and the head of the Irish college. So every class... Every break, Dax would be having a big fag at the front of the Irish College. I thought that was absolutely remarkable that his parents had given him a note that permitted him to give himself cancer, a stroke, heart disease, yellow nails, and a poor relationship with his children. who were going to constantly ask him, why do you continue to smoke? Do you not love us? Well, I'm addicted. So what? Put down the fags. If you're going to smoke as a parent, do it privately or don't have kids. But when I realised it was affecting me socially, I decided to start holding the shit in. Um, I'd no longer shit my pants because I realised it was unbelievably inappropriate and no one actually wanted to come to their house anymore. So I'd hold the shit in all day and for weeks and weeks and, and my belly would begin to look like someone in a troker out of Biafran. So that got so bad I'd get bags under my eyes and family were involved and eventually I had to go to a doctor. Uh, complaining of stomach pains, but not everyone knew this was because I was refusing to shit. Literally the opposite to Bobby Sands. They thought I might have had some condition. An unhealthy young child, so I went to the doctor, she ran a scan, she comes into the fucking, she comes back into the room with the x-ray and goes, listen, this is the closest thing to Elvis we've ever fucking seen in the paediatric ward. So there's two stone of shit in there, built up over, honestly, 18 months. At least 18 months. So they told me, listen, there's only one choice here, you have to get an enema. Now, an enema is a procedure in which they seem to squirt some kind of liquid up your hole. Um, and I mean right up there. I'm talking proper Boy George stuff here. And it has a a laxative effect, I can only presume, on the bells. And you shit brown liquid for the next week until um, 
all of it is out of your body and you are no longer weighed down by kilograms of um of digested food really and i obviously didn't want to get it done i wanted to continue to hold in my shit and refuse to poo and have a family celebration once every 12 months when i decided to shit which by the way could be on the ground it was so bad that i i i, I was allowed just shit where i stood the odd time because it builds up so badly that sometimes you could do nothing about it and it is a it's a famous kind of pre-adolescent issue for for many young people there's a huge problem with excretion so as i said if it really was bursting out of me i just pulled out my cacks in the sitting room shit in the floor in front of everyone and obviously that should be met with anger maybe even a call to um, a juvenile detention centre or whatever they have in Dublin, St. Pat's, I think it's called. I've met a lot of guys who came out of St. Pat's. They claim that they are rehabilitated and then after one beer they're uh, putting on knuckle dusters in the smoking area of, of Wes Disco and, and causing trouble again. I don't know why St. Pat's let people out. I really don't. I've never seen it work for anybody. But I was convinced to do it because I was told by senior figures, um, mainly apparent, that Manchester United players get the same procedure done before big games. Like, don't know why I believed it, as if Dennis Irwin's sitting there going, right, what's the final thing to do now before I play Bayern Munich? I tell you what, I'm getting the liquid up my hole. And Roy Keane's going, then, you get that done yet? Make sure you do. Right, see you tomorrow. Bring my Theodoras. So I remember I sat down on my side, raised a leg, and off they went. Nothing happens originally, and then you get home, and it starts, and just coincidentally, the night in which um, the liquid began to pour out of my arse was the same night in which Arsenal won the league in Old Trafford. And luckily for the medical team that turned out to sort out a kid's bowel and psychological problems regarding um, his arse and shit, I associated the negativity of the whole experience with United losing to Arsenal that day and Arsenal winning the league in Old Trafford. So it wasn't the enema that worked. It was the emotional state I was in whilst this was happening to me and I never wanted it again so from that moment on I began to use toilets because that's all it was I think it was an avoidance of boredom I think I was so in need of continuous communication at that age that I wouldn't even put the five minutes in on the jacks that's what that was I had immense problems with sleeping in a bedroom on my own a weird problem with sleeping in a bedroom on my own a lot of those problems were, were common in my childhood. Obviously, I talked about the issues of masturbation last week, porn. Um, this week, I've obviously happened to tell you about my inability to shit. I had huge problems sleeping on my own. I didn't leave my parents' bed until I was around 12. I used to go in at the same time every night around 2 in the morning, and I'd hop in there butchering a good man's sex life, really. And then whenever my father was away, I'd sleep with my mom. That went on till around 17. Because I remember saying to myself, I, kn- I knew it was wrong. You'd be going to school the next morning. You're denying this. People are in their bedrooms with a pull-up bar and texting people on Nokias and mastering the art of um, of young manhood, really. And I would go in and sleep with a middle-aged woman and watch episodes of Sex in the City before we'd drift calmly off to sleep. And I, kn- I knew it was wrong. Because I was given it the biggin. In the schoolyard. You know what I mean? If anyone knew the truth, all they'd have to say was, why are you sleeping with your mom? Do you know what I mean? Like, I so I knew it was wrong, and I said to myself, right, when I get pubes, I'm not doing it. That's weird. If I can reproduce 
I'm not doing that anymore because that's manhood. I've no right to do it. But when that started happening and those little delayed curly pieces of rope began to scatter all over the pubic bone, I, I said, no, fuck it. I want to see what happens with Samantha and Smith. So then I said, whenever I get, whenever I get laid is when I'm stopping. And that is what happened. I, I never went back to the bed after that. But you see, these are essential parts of growing up. I was a really fucked up young dude and remain a fucked up man. Because we all are. But I like the idea of dealing with it within within the parameters of my own mind and body. And being open about it and going, that was unusual. Why was that happening? There's a lot of guys now, and you see, it's, it's very common in lockdown, who are just drifting around the world, bottling up problems, who then suddenly explode or implode and go into a state of neurosis become hypochondriacs and get themselves in relationships with women thinking that will solve all their problems that they don't really love. We all know. Let's be honest here. Any decent man gets divorced four to five times. We're sitting there and we're seeing these young couples go for coffees and he's wearing the sunglasses that she picked out and they're wearing their matching Under Armour tracksuits pushing their little cunt baby who, by the way, they are kind of okay with having a YouTube career down the line. And you just know he's not happy. Because he's the same guy who refuses to admit that maybe the odd time when his mates were over and they were 14, they got their dicks out compared sizes, it turned into a little bit of a sword fight, and then they go, fuck this, what are we doing? He's, he's in denial of all that. So then the Michelangelo syndrome begins, the Michelangelo effect, which is 100% increasing day after day in lockdown, in which partners, because they've been forced to spend so much time with each other, see an I- ideal self within the eyes of their partner, so live up to that. So they're actually not even chasing their own aspirations or their own ambition or self-identity. As long as they're ticking the boxes within the eyes of somebody who they've decided to idolize, they feel good. And then on the other side of it, you also got men who feel so inadequate and have such trust issues with not only themselves, but with other men or other human beings who inhabit the world. They just sit there and zone out for 50% of the stuff their wife says. Take all the shit, even though they don't agree with them. And that's just how they live their life. And they kind of then just have affairs and stay in the bar too long and, and hit the high road if a daughter develops mental health problems. That's not really what it's about. Although this sounds remarkably unusual, I, I find it healthy. Why would I pick up this microphone mid-lockdown and decide to say, I shat my pants, I had masturbation problems, and I didn't like sleeping alone? Because it's the truth. And that's why, that's why you're listening. Because you all know it's the same. What I do wonder is, do you discuss this then, though? When you meet up and you break down the episode. Do you sit there and go, you know what I stop? No, you don't. You all deny going, are you mad? I'm not mad. I'm telling the fucking truth. You're fucking mad. You're mental, you weird, closeted, gay little fuckers. Do you know what I mean? And that, that's why people find it such a big deal to come out. Because everyone's lying constantly. It shouldn't be a big deal. Who cares? If you're gay, slap your flute around, slap your dick around. And just view homophobia as an immense insecurity. There's no other way of looking at it. I know it's easy from the cheap seats, as they say, to comment on an issue when I am somebody who who would be absolutely repulsed by the concept of having sex with somebody who is also a male. And by the way, should be allowed to say that. A lot of those dudes would be repulsed by having sex with a woman. I'd find it absolutely disgusting. I absolutely love those dudes. I wish them the best. I think they're complete innovators. But honestly, I've seen dudes' anuses. 
they're fucking horrible. What are you up to, really, lads? I'd love to sit down and talk about it. I think you're complete innovators. I view you as like Steve-O and Johnny Knoxville, motherfuckers. You're crazy. Love it. And I assume you'd think the same of us. Fucking muff-diving, horrible, misogynistic animals. But that's the problem. Either we can be open, especially while it's locked down. We're not even going to see anyone for how long. Regardless of what I say in this episode, it doesn't matter. There's no face-to-face contact for probably the way Ireland's going four years. Maybe the way Michal Martin's going on radio and denying to give any type of rational answer to any question and just lying and talking shit and how everyone's walking around hypnotized just accepting it because half the people love it because it allows them to continue their fucking lies and sit around with their fucking girlfriend or boyfriend or same-sex partner and go get coffees that, by the way, are charging four twenty. And 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 this goes out to three fe. I think they're called. Would never normally find myself in an establishment like that, but uh, I was looking to get a caffeine high off um, one of the most traded goods in the world, being the coffee beans. So I decided to lob in there. Um, got a got a coffee that they said it was four twenty. They said it was four twenty. Okay, I'm not a guy to sit here like Eddie Hobbs and complain about the price of things. Okay, sometimes I think you know what you're getting into, and it's your responsibility to boycott anywhere who's charging that price for the coffee bean. But I will say this is three FE. Either lower your price, and I'm not being funny. You can even hear the way I'm talking now. And I've said this, people think I'm joking. Or I'm going in with a fucking Glock, and I don't give a fuck if you don't want to serve me without a mask. You won't have to worry about me having a mask this time. Because I have a fucking bally on. And I will unload it. On every single packet of coffee and coffee machine you have in there. And by the way, 3FE. You should be very ashamed that I'm not allowed to say. Person. And staff member. Because you'd probably take it seriously. It's probably not worth my salt saying. I'm going in with a Glock to your coffee place. And I'm blowing the kip up. Because. You'll just make it serious and be left-wing about it and not take the humour. So I'm going to claim I'm shooting your coffee bags with the belly on. But let me let me tell you something, 3FE. Read between the lines, okay? I've been on fucking LinkedIn and Google and all for the last week looking up your staff members' names. And if I don't get in there with a fucking belly on, I'll go to their fucking gaffes. What do you mean 420? 420? For a brew? If anyone's listening to the Mike Lantney show, do me a favour and please don't go into that shithole again. Honestly. Give it to the old school fucking folks who've been shifting brew around this kid for 20 years. Apple Green does a good brew. You press it on the fucking machine. It, it, the, the truckers who've been delivering cargo around Europe and the United States for the last century haven't had a problem with garage brew. Two quid. Little hint of caramel in there. And yes, I'll take the free double-decker with that. Of course I will. Diet, by the way, guys. Over. Why wouldn't it be? I got down to 93. Fuck it. I'm a happier guy shoving my fuck stuff in my face. That's what I'll continue to do. Old-school wine gums. The particularly hard ones. You get in little tubs. Shove them into you. See how you feel. Because you feel fucking great. I'm sick of it. I am genuinely sick of it. I'm not really joking now. People are walking around hypnotised. Deny they can't they can't allow their minds to open up and question what's going on around us because they'll just get mental health issues. 
And I mean that with all due respect. Yeah, if you, if you feel like you have a mental health issue, embrace it and go, yeah, I'm feeling shit about this. Something needs to change. Um, maybe I'm not going to walk around, get a coffee, and change my entire personality due to a lockdown and, and take everything out in those around me and seek conflicts. That's another response, as opposed to the Michelangelo effect that's happened to a lot of people, which they grow closer to this figure which they idolize. People are lashing out. People are, are, are manifesting anxiety and feuds. And I don't know if I touched on a hypochondriatism. Shut up. There's nothing wrong with you. That is a mental state. The majority of illnesses in your barnet, really. I stopped believing in sore throats around four years ago. Because I was working with a dude in America who told me he'd never had one. I haven't had one since. Because they're made up. And in that Nickelodeon, Goodfellas Pizza, waffles in the fucking toaster, swimming lessons for everyone as if we are... Fuck. Why are we getting swimming lessons? Jump into the fucking water and see how it goes for you. That's what a swimming lesson should be. What about all those boys who grew up in New York in the 30s? They were swimming in sewers. It boosts the immune system. We constantly are weakening our immune system with this illusion of stress and feeling sorry for ourselves. We should be called the sore throat there. The sore throat generation. They don't exist. There's nothing wrong with you. Guys going on antibiotics willy-nilly, taking Rennies, taking Panadols. There's human beings on this who have inhabited this world, who, who lived in the Stone Age. There's dudes who, who didn't have shoes for hundreds and thousands of years. There's people who, who fishing used to mean you made something with a stick and stuck a bit of fucking rock on the top of it. Imagine the splinters you even developed from the process of making your weapon. Now we get a splinter, make sure you don't get it infected. And go give a GP 120 quid to give you some fucking cream and a chemist. Because someone who studied pharmacy is in denial that they also sell sweets. Listen, I have a huge respect for people in chemists and in the pharmacy um, game. But seriously, it's very close to a fucking news agent at this point. I walk in there, I don't know whether I'm getting Calpol or a fucking Powerade. It's also a sex shop. I've no bother with, with chemists selling condoms. It's, they're, they're necessary. On a medical level, they stop the transmission of STDs. But there's vibrators and shit being sold now. So did you study pharmacy so you could help old people cope with their arthritis? Or did you get into pharmacy so some deviant could walk in and go, do you still have those dick rings? I'm looking to put one of those dick rings on me like, yeah, my board loves it. Actually, throw some Listerine as well. Of course, you put that in your mouth to give a whopper lick, yo. That's the way it is. Injuries. The physio generation is another thing. Go back to Jackie Kyle. Let's see how Stanley Matthews dealt with physio. This guy's playing junior B guy. With worse hamstrings than fucking Usain Bolt. They've worse knees than fucking own Hargreaves, these cunts. There's nothing wrong with you. My attitude is physio should only be available in a sporting context if you're playing it professionally. There shouldn't be physios for any other team. It should just be quit. Recover yourself. Sorry. Go home. It's your own fault. Why are you down here getting concussed for no reason anyway? What a waste of doctor's time. They study medicine for how many years? And then some prick off a motorway goes and gets concussed. 
and he's getting brain scans. And COVID's another thing. The amount of dudes I know faked having that ill. Like, oh, they have. They are faking it. Lost my sense of smell. Lost my sense of taste. It hasn't come back. Shut up. Let me shit in a fucking Marmite thing and see if you can eat it and tell me how your fucking taste is. Let, let's get some chick down from Connemara who's been riding horses all day. Put your head in between her legs and see how your taste is. It's bullshit. People got to a stage, so they come up with different ways of dealing with COVID. They start out, it's kind of fun. Let's have a beer in the sun. Lockdown, very interesting. Work from home, have a buzz. This is really different. And life was getting a bit stale anyway in that social media era where everything was so predictable and everyone was forced to having the same political narrative. So let's let's see how this goes. Outdoor activities, running, Zoom sessions, where I can kind of include the bird because she can stay in the room while I'm having them. So I don't have the same going out with the lads. But I can binge drink with them and gamble over games of poker. But she can sit in the corner. What a dream. So then it came to lockdown too. That's when everyone's sort of faking having COVID. Or everyone's mom and everyone's auntie and everyone's uncle had COVID. Seriously, uh, th- this might sound you might ooh, uh, ridiculous, insensitive. But I'm talking to people who actually listen to this. Does anyone know anyone who's died of it? Does anyone know anyone who's died of COVID? One or two, of course. What are they th- let's actually look at the average ages of the people who are dying from this disease. Who cares? And what I will say, and what is so damaging is, people are justifying the fact that they're locked down because they don't actually, they can't fathom the concept of, of revolt or doing something about it. That they're now beginning to make up the people who are dying of COVID. Is there anything more offensive than that? People who are dying of genuine conditions, heart attacks, cancer, and now if they die and they're over the age of 55 and you ask what happened, the first response you'll get, COVID, and it doesn't matter if it's proven not to be true after, that first response stays in the narrative of at least 40% of recipients. We know that. Have you ever been in a situation where like numerous people have died? And then someone says one guy who didn't die died and suddenly he's just kind of dead then for the next five years. He walks into a boozer, you heard he died once, and it's like seeing a fucking ghost. You're going, what? That was, he never died, you heard a lie, but it doesn't matter. Lies become fact. That's the thing about human beings. The the trading of secrets is something we've done since we were hunter-gatherers. We've always been gossips, you know what I mean? Even when they were back in the day going, I think, I think Tiger come out tonight over there. Did you hear what they say? We love a bit of gossip and we love bullshit. Youthful pregnancies when we were younger. If a girl, if you heard a girl was pregnant when you were 16 from a school you'd no relation to and whose name you only knew of your incessant need to stalk Bebo, you would just kind of accuse her of being pregnant until she's 26. And even when it's disproven, you meet her at 24 and you've done a load of narcotics, so you suddenly uh, have this personality that approaches her and absolutely no bother in a smoking area. How's the kid? I never had a kid. What are you talking about? Oh, I actually not only heard a rumor about you when we were 16, but I spread it, and I don't know you. I'm going to walk out. In fact, I'm not going to walk out because I'm on a buzz off whatever this is. I'm going to tell you what I did. I'm going to think I'm leaving an impact on you because the drugs are giving me a false sense of self-confidence, and then I'll wake up the next day, and I will punch my pillow until feathers come out. Then get a bit panicky, thinking that wasn't my pillow to punch, and attempt to stitch it up on the ground, which takes so much energy and rushes the blood to the head while you're down there. Terrible experience. I really don't recommend drugs. But what I do recommend is copping the fuck on. Let's just start being in denial about our fucking problems again. Can we? 
Can we be in denial about our problems again? There was a lot to be said for the old generation. I know we view them as misogynistic and homophobic in a lot of ways, but they kind of didn't want to hear it. If they had our attitudes and actually had the injustices that were happening to them at the time, there was no point in them living. They may as well just woke up in the morning and thrown themselves off um, cliffs. If you were in Ireland in the famine, imagine if this was the famine. There was a genuine blight, and there was an oppressive nation right beside us not sharing their resources and not looking after us, essentially committing mass genocide on our country. So you're waking up, you're hungry, you don't have potato, your family are actually dying, and then you have such a sense of political injustice that there's no argument for. There's no argument for it. It's not like, oh, you can't say not all men. Of course you can't say not all men, because the point of the all men are the problem isn't to actually accuse all men. But there is kind of a... There is an argument to be made for the people who do misunderstand that, who say it isn't all men, because it isn't all men, by the way, who harass women, and there's many men who have spoke up against it for years. And we are responsible to be human beings. So if you are a dude who has seen mates take part in threesomes with a girl who you kind of think didn't have the ability to really make that decision, and not based off how sober or how drunk she was, just based off the fact that she might have been impressed by like the social standing of the fellow or something like that, and you did storm out of a room, or you t- did tell them you were fucking scumbags, you- you've done your bit, and some men have done that their whole life. So it is very, very difficult to um, to take the criticism of an overall gender and an overall community of people when maybe you haven't acted like that ever in your life and were raised not to be a perverted bastard and did take huge issue with any blokes you saw putting their arm over a woman inappropriately in a smoking area or forcibly or not being able to control liquor and, and get right in their face or basically commit rapes. A lot of men have done that. And the other thing I find so pathetic is a lot of the guys who are anti the whole narrative of uh, it's all men are the guys who know that they've done nothing of such their whole life and have stood their ground. And these guys were going, I wish I was more educated. Can women please tell me more? I'm so sorry for not knowing before, but I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity of education. It's just because they know they're perverted cunts. So A, they're running from guilt, so now they're they're getting away with it by just giving women this false sense of power, so patronizing by asking, please teach me, how do I not be a rapist? How can I sense if a girl's uncomfortable by my presence? Yeah, just don't be a fucking weirdo, you psycho. And also, what's even more disgusting about that is now they've realized pulling in their perverted way is out of the question. What, what can we do now? i tell you what we'll do. We'll manipulate them to be on their side. Most of these feminist dudes are the biggest deviants out there. It's called infiltration. They're walking with you in town. Righties, righties, righties. Ow, ow, ow. What do we want? Ego rights. When do we want it? Now. All right, when are we getting some white claws and getting our kit off? No? Oh, I'm messing up. You're fucking perverts. Shut up. Leave women to it. They've been oppressed long enough without needing these weird little spies, basically. Like fucking Cold War Russians. Talking shit. Pretending you care about women's rights. You don't. You're trying to get some, but you're going the scenic route. If you really care, you have the respect to stay the fuck out of it. And that, that would be my approach. I don't have an opinion on anything. Any complaint that a female who's experienced inequality in this world has gone through. Because I wasn't a female. And I am a female. Although, the way the world is now, I can literally say, right now I'm a female. Okay, now I am, and I'm entitled to as many fucking rights as them. So what do we really want here? Why don't we just be honest and real about it? Women say they should never turn on each other and stick on the same side. And men should do the same thing. And our form of... Sticking on the same side, in my book, shouldn't be, okay, everyone should now overdo this. 
join women and get behind them and patronize them and give them this fucking really insincere sense of being listened to. What it should be is cop the fuck onto yourself, will you pervert weirdo? Stay away from them, you've done enough damage. Stop telling them you need to learn, will you? You're sick in the fucking head. And you're going to end up in jail. In fact, you should. What about the murders? What about the rapes of these young women? It's simple as a guy who kidnaps a woman and murders her. And this, again, will sound backward, but there's a lot to be said for some views that came from years gone by. If a dude sees a woman in a park, he pulls up his car, he puts her in the car, he kidnaps her, he rapes and murders her. What should happen to that dude is he should be fucking killed. There's, what's, the big, what's the big problem here? How don't we clearly see that if we were wiping, fucking hanging pieces of shit who did that publicly, they, they wouldn't do it anymore. They would not do it anymore. In a lot of, a lot of cases, that behavior occurs because there's a 5 or 6% chance they think they're getting away with it. It's only kind of sitting in a room with a few Coventry and Bolton fans and, and talking about football and having lunch and lifting a few weights. It shouldn't be. If you rape or murder a woman, if you murder a woman, you should be killed. That's just my stance. Let's try getting kill you. That gets the numbers down. I genuinely think it does, not this prison stuff. If it's that level, if there's a lone woman walking on her own, someone you know you're physically stronger than, you physically know you can, you can use your gender and your kind of biologically given superior strength to hold her down, intrude on her body, and not only her body, her existence. Murder. Just kill you. And it's not kill you as punishment or deterrence, although it, it will turn out to be a deterrence. It will turn out to, to get the numbers down. It, it, that, that will occur. But it's just because we don't think you should exist anymore. It's very simple. We don't think you should exist anymore. That's, that's too ridiculous. Sorry. Game over. And I know we're anti people can control other people's lives and you can't end an existence deliberately and all kind of messages that send out and just try it just try it nowadays people say oh we've had it in days gone by we've had the death penalty it didn't work but in this social media era in which information spreads so rapidly as opposed to holding a protest um, and having the police have to intervene because on, on one side the left are saying socially distance and stay away from each other covid's real and it's a killer disease and the next are saying we should be allowed to protest and gather in our masses whenever something pops up that suits our narrative. As opposed to doing that, why not just deal with it quite clearly? The, the, the guy who killed that poor woman. Um, hey guys, uh, my name is um, Detective Ryan. And I just want to let you all know that he has been brutally fucking dealt with. Uh, that young man picked up um, Sarah in his car and he went on to about rape and kill her. And I will let you know that his body is now hanging from a fucking rope inside cell 8. And the other inmates are taking lumps out of his fucking ribs via stone. We will continue to stone that cunt until he is literally a skeleton hanging from the roof. We apologise for not being able to stop this predator before, but there is no need for a protest. He has got the fucking message. Thank you. What happens then? All those little fuckers go, well, they pop out to the park. They just go, ooh. Because these guys are cowards. Of course they're cowards, not hard men. They'd go, hmm, who am I raping? Oh, shit. They're really going at that guy. Don't go near us. We victimize everyone. And that young girl is the victim. And then, in a way, by even giving the guy who did it privacy and solitary confinement and protection from the general public, in a way, he's nearly a victim in a weird roundabout way, too. 
why can't we just commit to it? One guy did something fucking horrible, let's deal with it, done. And if we had our mentality we have now, what would the famine have been? It just would have been mass suicide. We'd wake up in the morning, wouldn't have the energy to protest, you wouldn't have social media to express your kind of half-hearted political beliefs. So you'd just wake up and surely just just kill yourself. I know you wouldn't. Because you didn't have the option but to fight on. You didn't have the option but to try your best to fucking deal with it and hold your dying auntie while her rib cage is pointed in your face and go, you know what, I'm still going to try emigrate and cry when the Statue of Liberty shines down on me. But no, we'd actually rather gauge New York on a grad visa and kind of not value it at all and get coked and pissed for three months like we could have done in fucking Tala and not even went to the airport and had the same life but sit there and moan that you sit around to extend me. You've been working illegally in a bar. But that's anti-immigration. Everyone should be entitled to everything. Why? Well, the Irish built New York. I don't see why we can't come back. The Irish built New York because they were escaping mass hunger and they had resilience and they had fight. They didn't fucking build New York so you could come over here and shag your way around Greenpoint. It's embarrassing, linking republicanism to it. No, this hatred of days gone by. This kind of pro-Celtic narrative that exists within the Dublin hipster alternative community. Whilst they walk around with an LGBT flag, it's all contextual. Can we also recognise that the forefathers would absolutely hate you? The guys who were standing outside the GPO with weapons, they wouldn't want to have known you if you were gay. Or if you were trans, they would have just said, right, here, let's forget the English for a day. There's a guy over there dressed up as a broad. And that's the sad reality of it. So it's like we pick and choose when to idolize and when to hate the past. Let's take down statues of slave owners. But let's continue to love Michael Collins. What do you think Michael Collins said about the local gays in West Cork? Hey, you must come for a pint. You must be coming for a pint later, party. All right, see you then. No, no, no. Collins would have said, is that your man, is it? You what? Right. Harry, where are you? Right, get the train up from Dublin in the morning. There's a fruit here at the bar. Right, go on, Harry. Gone. Good night, Vienna. We can contextualise everything. Pick and choose it. Pick and choose it is the new mantra, though. When it suits you. Who you love from the past, who you hate from the past. It's all just motivated by a narrative you decide to have, and then you have to stick with it. Embarrassing. Fucking Bohemians fans popping up left, right, and center. Couldn't tell you a brown about bows. Putting the alternative indie band on the shirt, and now it's for homelessness, and it's also fucking predictable. Bohemians Football Club, huge respect to the club and what it stood for for the past decades, but at the end of the day, it's becoming posher than Leinster. Supporting bows is now actually because there's more. There's more sons of people who ran this country into the fucking ground back in the mid-naughties who are now champagne socialists, um, even though it's their fathers who caused it, supporting bows, than there is Leinster now. Leinster was originally the most embarrassing thing in the world to support. Still remains it, but the guys are aging. Now they're just genuine blues. Sitting there with a pint going, I wonder if we'll win again this weekend. We obviously will. We always fucking win. And it's kind of like, yeah, you're stuck by it, you weird fuckers. I don't know how... <laughs> I don't know how you kept your dick hard throughout these years while watching literal rugby, but fair play to you. I'm nearly digging you. I'd be more Leinster than Bowes right now just due to the fan bases. That's it. 
Not the team in general. Respect the football club and Rovers. Great Dublin rivalry. But this whole thing that we are... There's fuck. There's women coming up to you now claiming they support Bo- you What? You support Bows. Shut up. We're in a crisis, guys. Can we all just have a laugh? I said it in the last episode. Can we just have a fucking laugh again? Please. St- and stop going for coffees and taking away pints and just kind of fucking go out on the street and set up relay races and shit and pass those little golden bars around and start scoring things again. There's no competition happening amongst the general public anymore. I'm walking by kids. They're playing games arounders. You couldn't finish games when I was a kid. Just be a scrap every single time. And now they're in city jerseys, these kids. There's kids in city jerseys. And they understand that they grew up watching city win leagues, but it's just not right. You shouldn't be allowed. You shouldn't be allowed to support city. But that's the future. City supporting little fuckers who will probably turn into Bose fans at 24 before getting really deeply involved in some feminism issue, before forgetting it all at around 34 and just becoming the same as all the other people who didn't really fucking arse joining in because they go, oh shit, I was kind of just bullshitting. There's now people in London mourning the death of a seal. They're giving out to it about a dog owner. Animal rights are becoming serious. I'm a big animal guy, but I do believe in treating them with a bit of sternness. I've covered this before. Give them a smack. Give him a kick. It's a dog. He is biologically programmed to have a master. Give him a kick in the face. But the other day, there's this seal in London. He's hanging around the Thames. He's making everyone laugh. I don't know, by just being a fucking seal. It don't really appeal to me. Big, fat, floating balls of... I don't know. You don't know them. I don't know them either. They don't give a shit about us. They, they know what they're doing. and paddle around and get some bread for you. And this dog absolutely fucking slaughters the thing. In broad daylight. This disgusting little animalistic canine. And you can get pictures of it. It's horrible. And the seal went on to die, even though they probably could have saved it. The co- How easily we put down animals. Fucking embarrassing. He, he wouldn't have survived the surgery, would he? Or were you not arsed really with the kind of cost of the anaesthetic? You got, you got, I don't know. Because it looked like he only had a little wound on his fin. He would have been miserable. So what? We're keeping humans alive. We're walking around the place not knowing what they're fucking doing. Calling their sons their daughters. Calling their daughters their sons and wiping their ass with cactuses. And this dog goes in. He absolutely butchers the seal. And now there's like online campaigns against the dog owner. He let him off the lead. Dog owners are irresponsible. Shut up. Dog killed seal. Are we now trying to control things so much in this world that we're not turning ourselves into literal robots via technology and following each other around, have Siri listening to us, have us all locked down? We're now trying to control animals, not killing animals. Dog kills seal. That, in my day, was a bunga bar story. Now it's a tragedy. Victimization. Nothing to blame. Look in the mirror if you want to blame. And I touched on Alzheimer's there, and I believe it's a very relevant topic. Dementia and Alzheimer's, especially when it comes to being a Manchester United fan now. Because a lot of people are saying, it sometimes seems like you don't even want us to win at the weekend. I believe if you're a true Manchester United fan who knows the history of this club and knows what people like Ed Woodward and the Glaciers are capable of and what they're willing to settle for, you will be aware that the club's now in a state of dementia. And our team with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is that grandmother or that mother who you show up to and she calls you fucking Daniel. There's no alternative 
two a coaching team of Holly Gunnar Solskjaer and Michael Carrick McKenna with Darren Fletcher as technical director. There, there's no alternative but mediocrity and underachievement. People will cite results. Dave Sexton came second once. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, who, by the way, Ajax, and teams like that are still in the Europa League. Good, good side, who I think are better than us. People are acting as if that tournament's in because we have Granada. We went out of the FA Cup to Leicester. It wasn't even a big deal to them. It was not a big deal to them at all. Brendan Rodgers wasn't even acting like he beat United. He was acting like he beat a mid-table club. And we showed up to Leicester and we played like we played every single fucking game. With no direction, no philosophy, no plan, no midfield. With only really Luke Shaw and Mason Greenwood showing any consistency. People say, oh, Greenwood hasn't had a consistent season. If you watch his general play, he's been excellent. He's been played out of position and mismanaged by an inadequate coaching staff. We're now going to go trophyless, probably, because even if we win the Europa League, it's not like he was given the Europa League off previous management. When Mourinho won the Europa League, we were in that competition due to Louis van Gaal the season before. You can't just exit the Champions League. That was in which you're in a group with Leipzig. That Liverpool playing their worst football in years, comfortably dismantled. You can't just exit that group and then go into the Europa League, play Sociedad, who just lost to Barcelona 6-1. AC Milan without Zlatan the first leg, and now Granada. You can't just claim that when you're the reason we're in it. He's going to go trophyless now for three seasons. People forget Ron Atkinson won the FA Cup in the second season. Forget Van Gaal and Mourinho. The comparisons to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now are going back to the 70s. And the early 80s. That's how bad he is. And to have the club in that position, with the financial power we have, and the spending power he has, and the quality we have, is absolutely embarrassing. I don't think people can actually, or actually come to terms with how bad of a job he is doing. We have top four comfortably, because referee decisions have gone our way. We haven't blown teams away many times this season. Maybe twice have we properly battered a team, and the game couldn't have gone either way. Even in big wins like Newcastle, there was there was lucky elements to that game, that 4-1 win. Rashford's more or less offside for his goal. There's a dubious penalty in the game. There's things like that in so many games that won't happen next season. Decisions come and go. So that the eight additional points we have this season, we could easily have eight less than we should next season. Because the style of football isn't going to change because he has no experience or evidence to show that it can change. Why would you even want Ole Gunnar Solskjaer signing players with what he's brought into the club so far? Maguire and Wambasaka. I'd have Dallow in there next season ahead of Wambasaka. What does he do? How long are you expecting us to wait for a defender to be able to cross a football? But he's the best defensive football. Is he? Positionally, is he the best defensive football? No. He's a whopper slide tackler. He's like that dude you bring to five-a-side who can do nothing but stand at the back and kind of get in the way. He's nice to have in your team and... But Wambasaka isn't because this is 11-a-side Manchester United football and your fullbacks are expected to be complete players. He's far from it. And Harry Maguire remains and still is the worst thing that has happened to modern-day Manchester United. He's worse than the new Rooney contract. Dare I say he's worse than the Pogba signing. With all the kind of commercial aspects that that brought. Harry Maguire sits there, moans, and underperforms every single game. Even the look of him. Seeing his facial structure, his nose, his eyes, his hair, and his general demeanour makes me want to throw the TV out the window every single time the team are playing. So as long as there is fans still existing saying, oh, you want the team to lose, what's the accusation? So all outs can be proven right. Is that, is that literally what people are saying? People think all outs want United to lose so we can be proven? No. 
If United show up and win 4-0 or 5-0 or even 2-0 whilst playing brilliant football, not getting early penalties and blow teams away with a system and a solid defensive unit that's going to hold up most games and midfielders who are making things happen and winning. We love that. We know that's not coming. And when a result happens that's due to a great goal or luck or the other team underperforming or a referee decision that Ole Inns will use as evidence that there's progression, we're not arguing that out of fear that our analysis is incorrect. It's because we know it elongates the hell. And we're telling you in advance it's going nowhere with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. What do you think's going to happen next season with him as the manager when people like Allegri are free? And we're going in again with Solskjaer and Carrick against a Klopp, Guardiola, Tuchel, possibly Mourinho still. And who else could join the league in that time? Premier League race. There's nothing that can happen. So you're asking us to openly go into league campaigns as the most successful team in English football history the third most valuable football team in the world, year in, year out. You're asking us to go into league campaigns knowing we can't win the league. How is there an argument here? How do people claim that Ole outs are anti-Manchester United or negative? Or that you'd love to see what would happen if the club ever got relegated? We'd still be there, singing forever and ever the Busby Babes. But this is so avoidable. We have a unlimited money to, to give to a new manager. This isn't like Leeds or Rangers, or the fall of a great club. This is completely self-inflicted because we have a guy running the club, an Ed Woodward, who wants to avoid criticism, who wants fans to be divisive, to take the attention away from the fact that he can continue to work for the Glazers and not give a shit what happens to Manchester United on the pitch and not care what trophies we put in the cabinet, which is going to be none, and if it is one, the Europa League, for the first time in three years. How is that acceptable? Why waste another season when we have Greenwood, a recovered Luke Shaw, Bruno Fernandes? Why do this with money to spend? Why don't you want an Allegri or an Hagelsman or some manager who can take the club forward? Because this analysis that Ole knows the club, and that's the best way to do it at Manchester United, is incorrect. Because this, performance-wise, week in, week out, is our worst season as well as last season, post-Fergie. This is worse than any of the stuff under Van Gaal Mourinho, and even Miza. Because it's a shock when you lose under them. It's a big deal. It's the change in standards which is giving you the illusion that Ole's doing anything. Ole has invented these standards. The full season before he came to the club, we came second in the league with 81 points, something we won't get near this year, and got to an FA Cup final we lost because Phil Jones gave away a penalty. A game in which the entire back five that Mourinho started, five years after Fergie's exit, was Fergie signed players. That's management. And we weren't happy with that because it wasn't up to Manchester United's standards. What is this? How's there an argument? I think people are joking. I think the only support Solskjaer has now is because people want the Ole outs to be wrong. There's no other way you could be deluding yourself that this guy's doing anything for the club. You're just making it up. You, at this point, you couldn't be. I think we've won seven league games, but more than a goal this season. That's significantly less than Miser's season. Significantly. The, the level of performance is not even fathomable. Daniel James gets to play 
So you're just, you're okay with Daniel James. Dancing around in a Manchester United shirt, doing nothing, week in, week out. You're okay with Mason Greenwood not getting a go playing centre forward. You're okay with a team having no direction or philosophy. You're okay with, they just walk out each week, and nobody knows how we play. Anyone who claims his counter-attacking, any of this, is just made up. There's no evidence for any of it. It's shocking. It's not a personal thing on Solskjaer, United legend. And why would he quit the job? He's never going to. He can't believe he's the manager. And fair play to him for getting it. But this is an absolute crisis going on here. And we're just going to become... This is what Arsenal did. They redeveloped their standards until just getting top four became acceptable and they kind of got a bit excited if they were coming second, even by a distance, and eventually finished the season in third. There's no bother with that. And then eventually, it becomes nearly expected that you can come 8th and 7th the odd season. That's what Manchester United are looking at if we don't do something. And that something is getting rid of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He will not have us in a title race. He won't have us in the late stages of the Champions League. And that's the minimum as a Manchester United manager. To be in the race, that's the minimum. Mourinho qualified out of his Champions League group on both occasions. Moise got to a European Cup quarterfinal. These are minimum expectations. And to be in a league title race in which you can still care about the results of the team ahead of you until around game 33, game 34. And even if you lose the league, it's still disappointing and bad and we want serious improvement next season. But this guy can just float around and never compete and we're cool with it. And say this progression from what? Do you know how instant we could change it with a quality manager? Look at Chelsea now. And no, it's not just a good start. They're going to be deadly next season. Look how many managers have come into England before and turned teams around so quickly. Conte did the same thing. We've a really, really good side. It needs to happen now. Because if he stays too long, people are going to leave. Top, top players, the odd player, even if we have one contracted, who cares more about their career than money, will say, we don't want to be here anymore. We just want to go. This is bullshit. We're not competing for anything and I'm not really getting a kick. Consistently or playing in the position I want to play. I'm going to play for, for someone who, who wants to win things. And he'll be floating around like 2024, and you won't even know what to say about the era. You'll just have to accept it and start putting your passion for the team into like away days and supporting them. And that's all well and good if you're a West Ham fan or you're a Newcastle fan and you've had these problems and you're not a global brand, but we're just making it up. Why do we want to suffer and struggle? We're, 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 we're like the son of a Wall Street banker who decides he's a hippie and goes and lives in the woods and takes acid for two years in his late 20s. And you're like, I dig what you're doing, but why? We're trying to create this romance of sticking by the team when chips are down. There's no need for them to be down. That would be better than this. It would be better if liquidation and shit was on the cards and corruption at board level and fines and point deductions. Then we'd sing our hearts out. But we're just... We're just like one of those posh kids who pretends to be working class when he's 16. It's embarrassing. And I don't know why any fan, other than wanting Ollie outs to be wrong, because you kind of are insecure that they know more about the club and the history of it than you do. I don't know. I don't have any other reason for why you want Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer to stay. Or maybe you're one of those people who envies confidence and you don't like people like Jose Mourinho or Louis van Gaal and you just kind of like, nice guys, you never really accept anything but stick at it. And that's your kind of character. I like Ollie. I don't fucking care if you like Ollie. I like Ollie too. But Ollie's a terrible football manager. A shocking football manager at that. 
and we play football that is reminiscent of the Republic of Ireland. We can't string passes together. All of our players pass the ball behind each other. Sometimes I don't even think it's hitting the right part of their feet. I think training must be so bad that these guys are actually becoming worse footballers. I don't even think it's all systematic or tactical or selection. I think these guys are becoming worse foot. The touch of the players is fucking miles off. The finishing standards, miles off. The concentration of the back four throughout 90 minutes, terrible. Both goalkeepers making mistakes week in, week out. The pair of them are at it. Who the fuck's, who's looking after the mental side of their game? I'm pretty sure I'd be making mistakes too if I looked to the left and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and Michael Carrick were staring at me and go, keep at it, boys. And Jamie Vardy was patronising us, knowing he was beating Manchester United. I'd love it, as well. I'd love it. Because I knew that as a physical athlete, I wouldn't want to dig in and improve, uh, and improve myself. I want to cod the gaffer. That's the type of sportsman I want. I know one when I see one. I was the exact same in sport. I remember when I was 17, and I was going into the main year to, to play rugby for my school team. The, the legendary coach who demanded the best out of people, who doesn't fuck around and makes you put your knee in people's heads and, and, and was the reason that this small school overachieved year in, year out because people played for him. He was a fucking intimidating man who you'd go to the trenches for. He, he, he leaves. That summer he was supposed to be our coach. And someone told me in a night out and deep down in my soul I was going, that's us fucked. But that little pathetic side of me is going, get in, I'm definitely going to make the team because minimal effort will be acceptable now. And that's what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is. And that's why they all back him in the media, and that's why they put up these tweets saying unlucky today, and that we focus so much on things like racism, more so than other clubs as well. And that Ed Woodward comes out with the ability to just completely blank our underperformance in the media, and that Solskjaer is allowed sits in press conferences and spout lies. More lies than Donald Trump. I mean, Solskjaer is saying wild things, really wild things, praising previous performances and shit that don't, they don't matter. If we lose, he'll talk about the performance is what matters. But if we win, it's not relevant how we play. He'll just go on about the way. The guy's, the guy's a pathological liar. And he doesn't know why he's the Manchester United manager. If you sat Ole Gunnar Solskjaer down two hours and he had a nice Greek dinner and there was little bits of yogurt and pitting on the table and you were having a laugh, you loosen him up with a few glasses of wine, you'd eventually go, Ole, come on. You don't know. He'd go, I know I don't. I don't have a clue. He'd admit it. He doesn't know why he's the gaffer. So you shouldn't be backing him. It's like those dudes who backed McGregor the fighter and not McGregor the remarkable, charismatic businessman who knew how to make millions and were going on about him being one of the best athletes in the history. He never, he never thought he was. You know, that's why he was in such a rush. That's why he wasn't giving rematches to the cunts he was lucky to beat. He was all personality. So all those guys who would go on about his technical guile and started boxing and, and doing martial arts off the back of him now we're just kind of like, oh, that was kind of pointless. He never gave a shit. He only wanted to, like, own a whiskey and hang around with criminals. That was him. Fair play to him. What a life. What a story. He fought Mayweather. Hilarious. He ruined boxing and is the reason that YouTube boxing now happens. Because people realize that chasing numbers is actually a, a much more beneficial uh, thing to do for money than punch the head off genuine athletes. But he did what he did. And there was these guys who were falling for the athletic thing, etc., etc. So... He was lying to you, and Solskjaer's lying to you too. He doesn't even think he should be the gaffer, and you'll see that by whenever he does leave Manchester United, which I can only hope was before the end of the calendar year 2021, where he ends up. Where's he ending up? He'll have to quit. 
He'll have to become like technical director for Norway. He, he, there's no way he can go to another club. They're, 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 imagine that. You're talking about Manchester United and you have a gaffer who no other club would want. And there's, there's people listening to this show, Everton fans, West Ham fans, by the way, who deserve everything they're getting. I don't give a shit what people say about West Ham fans. Those guys know football. And, and I've been on the wrong end of it. I walked into the last FA Cup game ever in Upton Park, United v West Ham 2016. And we were walking in, we were getting coins literally thrown at our heads for doing nothing but supporting the other team. And there was an old school Carling Premiership fucking advertisement that was coming out of one of the stands that had to be at least 18 years old. And it was stained from rain and sun and general atmospheric chip vans in which the steam would rise up from the cod. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. They deserve the success they're getting. Fucking wish West Ham United Football Club all the best. Glorious, glorious club. But they turn around to you and even say, I don't know what the fuck United are doing. It's the Liverpool fans who, who will get in a conversation with you now. They're not as angry. They're going, I don't know, like you guys are looking okay. You might get a result. They want to continue. It's the Arsenal fans, Chelsea, City. They're all okay with it because they continuously want Manchester United to do what they're doing. It's because they're afraid to even rock the boat. They want Mourinho gone because they're afraid he might do something. So they'll talk negatively about him. They'd make up mental things about Fergie being an alcoholic, having a whiskey nose, but Solskjaer never criticised. But those guys, go down lower. Talk to a Newcastle, a West Ham, an Everton, a Brighton fan, and hear them out. They will go, I don't have a fucking clue why you guys have Oli Gunnar Solskjaer as your manager. What are you doing? And we're sitting there going, we don't know. They look at us like we look at them at their darkest times. They look at us like we look at Charlton when they got Les Reed in briefly. Or when Liverpool gave the second goal to Kenny Dalglish. That's what. The, that's what. The, he, he, but even he was winning trophies. He won a League Cup and got to an FA Cup final. That's not even fair. It's. It's just. It's tragic, and I wish we could all wake up and see it and sing off the same hymn sheet. It's so bad and unforgivable that a football team has put us in this position. And that it's manipulated so many people into thinking something is going on that isn't going on. So it's not Ole out, or it's not a stance. It's a plead. It's a plead to fans who seem to be deluding themselves with this notion that he's going to do something. To please stop elongating hell. Because whenever we do recover, and whenever everyone does understand the reality, and we're lifting a European Cup before 2026... Because we are a sleeping giant the European football. We're going nowhere. The most romantic club in the European game. We will be lifting that European Cup within the next decade. And when we do, please don't ask to come to the celebrations. Or to hold up a scarf. Or share our tears when that big-eared bastard is making its way to Manchester again. Or when we're arm-in-arm singing tunes about Willie Morgan. We don't want you there. Thanks for tuning in, MA Show. It's been how many years, my oh, boy? You still don't know my tears of joy. No need to go, just take it slow. And have you heard the Michael Anthony show? Thank you.
both cheers. cheers. Believe my eyes. The hell's a make a fail. Makes me feel.